Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast, where I'm going to be speaking with Sam and John from the Chicago-based rock band Kalimasi. These guys have been putting out some absolutely great music for about five or six years now. And I'm excited to talk to these guys about their music journey of Kalimasi right after this. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock fans around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. All right. Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. I feel pretty good today because uh, it's going to be a good episode uh, full of interesting perspective, especially on the process of songwriting, because I'll be speaking with Sam and John from the band Kalimasi about their music, which is some pretty incredibly lyric driven, really good songs filled with a lot of angst, passion, excitement, re regret, resentment, and just about every other human emotion in between. So, hey, Sam and John, welcome to the show. Hey, Isaac. Thanks for hey, having Isaac. us. Yeah. Thanks for uh, coming on. So I know not everybody who listens to this show may know who Kalamasi is yet, um, unfortunately. Uh, that's kind of why I want to bring you guys on, because I think that you guys are freaking awesome. And even the fans who do uh, know of you may not know kind of all about your band and maybe not know the backstory. So instead of going through the whole tiresome bit where I ask you, you know, how did you guys get together? When did you start playing music and all that stuff? I'm going to change it up a little bit and get to the good parts uh, while covering a bit of your bio as well. So. You guys hail from Chicago, if I'm not correct. That's 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 pretty much accurate, right? Like, or somewhere around Chicago. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And formed around 2016, from what I could find. We formed a little before 2012. We uh, we changed our band name in 2017, uh, so we are under a different band name called The Howl. Yeah. Uh, and put out some music. So we kind of started 2011. Our first show ever was actually 10 years ago. On Sunday, today's oh, Tuesday. Wow. God. Sunday. Yeah, I saw that. I've been looking at the uh, Facebook memories, and <laughs> wow, thing works. They call it Facebook memories for That's a reason. Gnarly. Yeah, it's more like Facebook. Man, am I old? That's what it usually yeah. makes me feel like. Time to delete <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and so you guys actually were in a punk cover band before that. But my big question, kind of right off the bat, is: Do you guys kind of still consider yourself a punk band, or are you kind of more broad than that now? Uh, I guess more broad. It feels weird to say, like, I guess we were more of just like a rock band now, but like that feels like a lame thing to say, but I don't know. We're, we're, we're definitely a rock band, <laughs> you know? I would, I would absolutely agree with you because I, I keep seeing a lot of journalists and stuff saying like, oh, it's a Chicago based punk band. I'm like, if you listen to the music, it's not so much punk as it is just, you know, pretty standard straight up rock with punk influences something like alkaline trio taking back sunday or something like that because you guys create what i call big songs like it's not just like a two minute short bursty song just like here it is that's that's what most punk is and i know a lot of you guys have mixed influences from every genres uh, but do you guys feel like there's any bands or styles that kind of closely fit more like what your style than than maybe just like punk uh, you know how that band Cur Cursive is kind of hard to define. Absolutely love Cursive. Yeah, it's, I actually... they're like definitely influenced by punk and like 
uh, like folk and bunch of bunch of stuff and um, yeah. not like we're I'm saying that we're as good as cursive but I'm saying that um, I think that I have no problem with people um, having a harder time defining it I guess yeah yeah I think it's kind of a good thing because even though you know it doesn't fit somebody's label necessarily it really does have a great sound so like it doesn't have to like you don't have like hook chorus you know or like you know verse chorus bridge whatever and it doesn't just fit like a formula and just like you said cursive obviously um we'll be speaking with tim casher in our new season of of uh powered by rock podcast as well so nice. um love him and, and love what they do so you guys I, I agree like you guys kind of fit that mold of i wouldn't say you're genre less i'd say you're more like uh, you just kind of cross a lot of different genres of rock. So I think that's kind of where, where I would put you guys at. Yeah, I think all of us really don't have like, a, we don't have like a singular objective with this band, you know? Like, it'd be maybe a lot easier of a band to be in if all four of us were like, all right, we want to sound just like the Ramones. Yeah. Uh, that would be much easier, but I don't think there's like, there's not many bands that all of us are like super into all together. Um, we all have like such different different tastes that um, yeah, just reach into a lot of a lot of different genres, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, John's just a super huge fan of ABBA, and that's why you guys got your sound the way it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so. Obviously, you guys' band name comes from a type of chicken that has black feathers, beak, and eyes. I, I actually, you know, that's pretty standard common knowledge. But does that have any more symbolism towards the overall feeling you want to convey with the band? Um, no, not like a, I guess a ton of, I, I think I saw a picture of that animal and I was like, whatever that is, we should name the band that. <laughs> um, cause that is kind of just like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to read into it too much more than that. It's just a, it's just a great looking bird and the band name wasn't taken. Yeah, it was, <laughs> too, that, that it wasn't taken. It was kind of a tradition of naming, um. You're a band after animals or animal adjacent, um, and we kind of took us like, what's a more obscure animal? I guess what's a gorgeous, um, cool, cooler animal than just uh, an Arctic monkey? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible band name. Great band. I don't even think about the fact that exactly. I don't even picture Arctic monkeys when I, I I don't know. I don't even think about that anymore. Yeah. Exactly. They, they stole it. Yeah. yeah band well, names I, are I, so I, weird like that. Like you just spend so much time trying to find the right band name, but it really doesn't matter. Um, if your band is good, people listen to it and they'll just associate yeah. the name with the band. They won't think about like how stupid TV on the radio is of a band name. You just think of the sick band TV on the radio. Yeah. And I remember Dave Grohl saying something like, if I'd have known that Foo Fighters would become famous, I'd have changed the name right away. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's a good example. <laughs> So my other question is, uh, have you guys ever had the chance to eat Kalimasi chicken, or is that something you ever you might never want to do because it might be considered some form of cannibalism? <laughs> That's a great question. Whoa. Uh, I, I'm not a meat, meat eater, so I would abstain from that. Um, John, would you? I Absolutely. I would try it. It would have to be made, made by someone. Uh, I want my first experience to be really good. Uh, <laughs> it would have to be made by someone who's done it before. Um, I think so it's not hard, like the, hard to the, get in the, the United Indian States. version of KFC or something, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I thought about that question before. I've you asked said you myself never thought that, about that question. No, before? I've asked myself that question before. I'm like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because then, because then, when people in interviews ask us that, we can we have a little more of an antidote about it. Like, actually, we did try it, and then we wrote the best song of our life. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like the Beatles going to like an ashram and like tripping, and and you guys are like, no, we went to India and we ate chicken and we wrote the greatest album we've ever made. <laughs> yes. Cool. So let's talk about obviously the fact that you guys released a new album in March of 2021. Because um, I listened to it a few times shortly after its release, but for some reason I didn't think to review it until the end of December, which is the reason why I kind of kind of got in contact with you guys. So first of all, sorry for the lateness there. Uh, sometimes I just brain fart and forget that the awesome bands put out awesome albums. But I will say that you did put out one hell of an album, and I'm Thank still you. blown away by the lyrical depth you put into each song. So I have a few questions based on that idea. So first, how do you decide like what amount of effort you put into lyrics for Kali Mossy's music? Um, that's a good question. I, I guess I don't think about like how much effort, uh, I, a lot of like the way that we have written songs in the past in, in the majority of the songs we've written has been like music first and then lyrics, you know, write the lyrics to the music. Yeah. Um, it ends up making for some kind of interesting melody choices and also just kind of like writing lyrics separately, uh, and then trying to like retroactively fit them into like the spaces that they fit into um <clears throat> i'm obviously like a very long-winded person um <laughs> like there's like a ton of lyrics on the on the record um and yeah i don't i don't really like uh, trim the fat a lot um I'm, i think i'm getting better at, at knowing like uh how much to say how long songs should be i don't think they're too long <laughs> you know no. um they're definitely not like 16 or 17 <laughs> minutes long but um yeah, I guess back to your like initial question, just how much effort to put in. I, I guess I just am looking to like uh, how uh, how can I write something that accurately says what I want to say, you know, um, in a in a uh, from my perspective and also like from a listener's perspective, how can I be clear uh, but also uh, convey something new, make it exciting, um, yeah, all those things. Yeah, and I think a lot of people what they try to do with lyrics is they'll try to be too cryptic but you actually kind of straddle the line because it's i wouldn't say there's anything cryptic because you very clearly explain a lot of what's happening through most of the songs but what you don't explain obviously is, is you don't have to in a song is like you know who this person is what was the relationship you don't clearly state everything so that way it's not like a story so much mm -hmm. as just a snapshot of like an emotion that's filled into a song yeah, I think it's important when you're writing lyrics, especially if it's about um, something that's like not political and there's maybe like an abstract like emotional relationship to it, yeah. is to like not like make it overly specific so people still have like an inroad into relating to it. You know, um, like obviously there's tons of examples in in the lyrics of me being like hyper specific to things, um, but the general scenario that I'm talking about is usually not also like not one thing or one person, but it's like you take all these different experiences and you kind of put them into like one feeling of, you know, or one experience that you're having. Um, and yeah, I think even if, uh, you spell it out a ton, people can, will still maybe get a completely different scenario out of, out of what you're, what you're explaining to them. Yeah. Did you have anybody like, help shape your writing process? Like, did you go to college and, and study under somebody for that? Or is it something that's kind of naturally grown over the years of writing? 
Um, I guess just grown over the years of writing. I, I mean, I definitely took like creative writing classes in high school and, and I've always been like a writer. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, I, I would love to, to take classes in writing. I think I would probably, uh, get a lot <laughs> out of, uh, <laughs> knowing how to like just express myself that way. Uh, when it's not out of necessity, like with songwriting, I, I very much like need to write a song to, to express myself, um, that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually I had a creative writing professor in college. Her name is Dorian Lux. She was pretty well known in, across the U.S. But one thing that she would always tell us is like, say only what you have to say, like write what you're going to say and then cut it in half. Do that and then cut it in half again. And if it still means the same thing, you've actually got a better poem. And I was like, how is that possible? And then I started yeah. doing it. I was like, holy shit, that actually makes it way better. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, you, you don't have to like cut stuff out. It's just that that was one of the things when i saw that uh obviously how much you guys write how much you write in the lyrics i was like that immediately came to mind i was like what would happen if he cut it in half and then cut it in half again would it still mean the same would it still sound the same would it still have the same stuff like that so it'd be a very interesting exercise if you ever wanted to try it just to see how it would work out but um, yeah. that was just one thing i was told and i was like that's same that's pretty cool like i'm not trying to change anything about your style just be kind of a cool exercise to see what it would be like yeah, totally. I, I try to do a lot of editing as I write, especially, you know, with the way that I was saying, you know, putting lyrics over over the music, you know, a lot of times there will be just like 10 different versions of a verse. And I'm like, which one says what I'm trying to say? Which one talks about something that I haven't said before? And, you know, pushes your mind into the next, you know, the next part of the song gets you prepped for what's what's coming next or what's exciting to, to hear. Yeah, that's cool. And obviously I mentioned before, but you basically don't subscribe to that typical songwriting formula of like chorus, verse, verse, chorus, chorus, bridge, like that kind of stuff, something mm -hmm. like that. You do have choruses, but they come out kind of a lot more subtly than like a standard radio hit where it's just like you repeat the same four lines over and over. A couple songs, you obviously have refrains, but um, can you explain how when you go into writing a song, what you think about the standards of songwriting and how you think it should kind of be somewhat standardized or not at all or is there something that you feel like hey we got to put something like this where people can sing along to it or what what goes what kind of goes into that for you guys um i i, I would say that we kind of don't think about those things or try not to think about them i i think we towards the end of writing this record and just kind of like moving forward we're thinking about those things a little bit more because uh, it just, we've never done that before, really. We've never, like, been like, oh, let's write, like, a song that's really poppy. You know, we kind of, like, really last minute um, put together that song on the new record, Trophy Deer. Um, and it's definitely the most, like, verse-chorus-y song out of all of them. It has, like, a big chorus, you know. And um, I think initially bringing it into the band, I was just like, this feels so cheesy to me. It just <laughs> feels like, it feels not me you know, to, to have that structure. And I think w us as the four dudes who write this music are so used to like all the corners that we, we take in songwriting so many times that maybe it feels like not as exciting, especially if you play it for the 400th time that you're yeah. just like, there's gotta be something else we can do with this, the yeah. three parts in this song. But some of my favorite songs are two chords and one part, you yeah. know, just, uh, it just is, uh, kind of exercising like what haven't we done before and maybe one of those things we haven't done before is actually writing a pop song yeah well <clears throat> yeah maybe it's, we uh it's like supposed to be the easy route but it's actually the hard hard route that we truthfully yeah write a radio a song maybe i don't know uh you have like a different relationship with the songwriting but i feel like i've just seen so many bands that are first chorus first chorus 
you know that that type of thing and um but it is kind of fun to to play play around with that a little bit and see if it's still good after yeah um yeah yeah well one one of my favorite bands coed and cambria they have like all these like six seven minute songs five minute songs but every once in a while they put out like a two and a half or three minute song and i'm like it's so different from the rest of it that it's like man that like that catches your ear immediately because you're like that's faster tempo it's like quick it's done and it's over and you're like that's kind of like now my favorite song just because it's all the other ones are kind of similar in length similar in mm-hmm. you know tempo similar in all sound and then that one's yeah. so different that it's like wow that catches you um not that i prefer radio friendly songs it's just every once in a while putting that like you said trophy deer on there you might not like playing it for the 400 time and this is something that you know fans never want to hear is like oh don't play your favorite song like hey i want you to play my favorite song like we don't want to play it anymore because we're sick of playing it but it's like one of those poppy songs that if you get sick of playing it you know for a lot of people that's like one of their favorite songs because it's just like it's the thing that's different about it or whatever yeah Yeah, i mean i don't feel i don't i don't want to come off as saying that like we're sick of playing any of these songs i mean more like when we're writing them yeah you know as we're just jamming the same riff over and over we're like what else can we do with it but like once you even if it's just an a b a b song with once you put vocals and everything together on it it can be really fun and like we love playing those songs. We love playing Trophy Deer and songs that have like a something that people can sing along to. But at the same time, we're like four artists that like want to try and make something new. Like, let's see if yeah. we can make something people haven't really like experienced or heard before. Let's see if we can make a sing along song that doesn't have that that feeling. You know, what will people sing along to? I love writing like lyrics that have like non non song words in them like just words that like you don't hear in songs very often yeah. or like aren't aren't like super frequent um like jejun or whatever like jejun yeah. <laughs> like, yeah yeah just like a weird word just throw it in there and then people are like i guess i'm you know it just kind of like hooks you yeah. i think that stuff's fun yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming half the people who listen to your lyrics intently are googling a decent amount of what these words mean at times yeah. <laughs> i like when um i think everyone in the band likes records where not every song sounds like an attempt to be a single you know yeah like there are definitely records that are 10 songs long and each one it uh is you know that kind of first chorus we we're talking about and then you know the two ones that are the catchiest are the singles and then but it's kind of cooler when like maybe a band has like a couple of those on a record but then the rest are just um them kind of screwing around with like the uh typical song structure yeah absolutely i mean that's some of my favorite bands like you said cursive silver sun pickups is a lot like that in my opinion as well some some of those really good bands that i like are very much like that portugal the man's another one although they've mm-hmm. written some pretty poppy songs lately but um they used to be very off script for for a long time so um but i do want to go back to your first album for just a minute because that particular album it, it's like one long love letter of regret nostalgia hate and languishing in a place that just isn't comfortable to say the least a lot of these concepts kind of bleed in the new album as well so i have kind of two questions here the first one is in the first album you reference body parts a lot like the spine and the palm and various songs and in most references to the palm it's holding something but there's also double meanings at some points about reading the future or for having red palms as in the color what's the intentional connection of bringing back the palm throughout the wind instrument album i think even in one song you say it like three or four times hmm I don't know. I, I, I don't think that was intentional. Um, it may be just like kind of what was going on in my head at that time. Uh, an easy way for me to uh, express was using 
body parts. I love like double entendres, mm-hmm. you know, as a writing tool. Like her palms are red, um, your other left, and and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I like using that kind of stuff a lot. And since a lot of the songs are involving a group of people, um, yeah. I, I wish I could say it was like super, super intentional. But someone yeah. had a sh- came to, up to me at a show the other day and was just like asking me on the new record, like why I talk about grace so much. He's like, why did you choose the word grace? And like, grace is like a motif throughout the album. And I was just like, <laughs> like, wait, what? I didn't, yeah. didn't even mean to do that or even think about that. It's just like, you know, I guess that's just um, a motif of what's going on, you know, or what yeah. I'm thinking about, you know? Okay. Yeah. So it kind of feels like both of these albums are, are, basically your personal life is in broadcast here does that ever bother you do you feel like you have to be personal in order to write good songs or is that do you have to kind of toe the line of between personal and kind of putting some layer of of like a veil of secrecy over it Mm, i think uh there's a huge advantage to being personal because uh you know i if you feel a way you're almost guaranteed to there are other people who feel the same way even if it's like a really specific deep feeling you can throw it mm-hmm. out there and people will definitely like latch on to it yeah. um i would say the only time that it's like scary to be vulnerable like that is just like when i'm showing the other dudes in the band a song you yeah, know because they're like my closest like friends and, bullshit. what is this <laughs> yeah and you just like throw out this feeling and you're just like oh man i i you know you're being vulnerable yeah. in real life with, your, yeah. with the real people real that life. are yeah, in I your mean, life you're, you're yeah literally saying like hey i've got like heartbreak emotion and this is what the song's about so hopefully you guys uh, are okay with that right mm-hmm. i will yeah. say it does like if we play like kind of a show that maybe there aren't like a ton of people at or into it feels weird to play like a song like still life or something um yeah. where you know it's like a hyper vulnerable song and maybe there's just like two people at the bar like yelling over your set and you're just watching like, tv oh, or God. something <laughs> yeah yeah um but it's all good yeah. John, how does that kind of come into the music? Do you guys actually know what the songs are about? Uh, do you guys kind of all form together as a band and kind of think of like, hey, obviously the music's going to go one way, but does the, the, the lyrics play any any sort of like, um, you know, in, into any of the drums or any of the other music? Uh, yeah, I usually I take Sam's lyrics and then I go home and I psychoanalyze him. <laughs> and then I like write out like prescriptions <laughs> for him. Uh and like what will what I think he needs, and then I write like the how tos of like he's very smart. <laughs> uh, no, dude, his lyrics are always awesome. I can like there is a hundred ten percent trust in that realm. It's never anything uh, judgmental or like it's just like fuck yeah, I, I'm your biggest fan, you know. Yeah. But I'm also in the band. Um, affecting drum parts uh, no not really um, I think um, the lyrics don't affect the drum parts uh, maybe that'd be kind of an interesting exercise though um, but sometimes I don't always know exactly what Sam is singing until we're in the studio Yeah. Um, after I've recorded drums mm. but, um, but yeah that, w- that would be a cool exercise um, Drum parts definitely come with uh, guitar and bass, and yeah, obviously, yeah. Band. I mean, obviously, you're keeping keeping in there with the bass and keeping the percussion going and stuff like that. But it was always just it's always interesting to me, you know, how obviously like Neil Peart from from Rush would write the lyrics, so he would kind of 
know exactly what's what's the song about and then getty lee and and alex lifeson would actually go out and play the music and then he would make the drums go with it but it's just an interesting concept of like mm-hmm. how much of it kind of ties all together with everything because you know there are bands out there that do this stuff you know and, and i know you guys i think sam you once said that you're not you haven't really thought about or try to do a concept album but it would be an interesting thing to try so it's one of those things that like there's so much stuff out there you you got to ask these questions because like maybe there's something so clever going on that you guys are like inherently doing it and don't even know it <laughs> but i think people just like thread the concept thing like yeah. on their own a little bit you know like I, a lot of people i think reacted to laughs a little bit like oh is this it's almost like feels like a concept record and then kind of like picked through it and found stuff that they could weave together and that's what's fun about records that have a lot of layers that you can kind of come back to and and listen to and find new things and like be like oh man he he says palms a lot what's up with what's up with that you know and like yeah um, i never noticed that yeah so that kind of stuff is really fun and interesting it would be cool i don't know i don't know if we've got it in it to write a concept album uh it sounds like a tremendous amount of work to be honest yeah like writing 12 songs that are all basically one song i yeah i, yeah. I can't i can't even put two yeah that have to be something you're very passionate about yeah mm-hmm. you, you have 12 songs worth of uh ideas to convey yeah i will say like our (laughs) one thing like the current rehearsal space that we're in is really big and echoey and i remember when we were writing songs for wind instrument like when we went to record them i'd play like a little lead part or something like when we're recording and like i remember ryan who was playing bass in the band being like i don't even know you did that like there's and like especially like the lyrics like no one knew anything that i was saying because it's just like a cave and i feel like writing in that space now it's just like a wash of sound like recording is going to be exciting because we're going to finally hear what the other people are actually fucking playing that's funny so i obviously one thing that you do have as a recurring concept is the song recurring one and two Mm. and you did mention that uh you had thought about that one beforehand so maybe after you write maybe like 10 albums and have recurring on every recurring single three, one recurring four recurring yeah five, just, just like have that one album called week. recurring one through ten or whatever yeah well that's a, that's a good idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so yeah let's talk about the uh um the fact that obviously you you i want to find out like because this is kind of a more personal question is but it's it's the subject of both albums are they the same person do you, do you have like one true love that you're struggling to come to terms with or are the songs just a response to the emotions that you felt at the time of writing them about something that happened? Yeah, I think more of the latter. The second record is really intentionally not about um, like romantic relationships and mm-hmm. is just really focused on platonic um, friendships. And, yep. uh, you know, there. I think especially like kind of towing the genre line that we tow, we really um, didn't want to write like necessary like necessarily like romantic heartbreak songs that like vilify like a female or anything like that i think that's pretty tired and you know also wanted to like explore uh the kind of like male friendships um (laughs) pros and cons (laughs) if you will um and yeah i mean i i guess like writing for me, it always just comes from, like I said before, uh, like a place of like necessity, like things that I feel like I really need to say. Um, <clears throat> I'm not the kind of person who like seeks out uh, bad experiences to give myself a pain to write about by <laughs> any means. You know, I'm very much interested in writing about joy. Um, but 
that's not really my style. <laughs> so I'm, you know, trying to figure that out too. That I think there's a lot of conflict on the new record about that because it's like, it's so much in the search for joy, but you know, there's a lot, aren't we all? Um, it's just a, a struggle to get there. So, um, yeah, I, I really wanted to kind of showcase that, that talk about that duality of just like, you really can't just have one. You can't, you can't just have the, the heartbreak. You can't just have, you know, it wasn't always their fault. It's a lot of it's your fault, you know, um, and just kind of like explore that from, uh, not just finger pointing direction. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a, I write songs and stuff as well and, uh, have poetry and stuff. And when I always think of it, like if, if I have like an emotion, it doesn't even have to be connected to a real experience all the time, but I'll get like just really deep onto that one emotion and think about how that emotion is affecting what I'm doing at that current time. And I'll mm. just write about that. And that's kind of how it seems like you, you're kind of taking like a snapshot of time and just writing the setting, writing the feelings, writing the, you know, everything that's about it. And it's not just, you know, a fleeting feeling it's, it's there, but you may not even remember that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, two months later, when you go back to sing the song or whatever, you, you remember it because you wrote it down, but you didn't even experience it the same way after you've, after you've experienced. So I was just curious if that's kind of like how it kind of feels to you when you write sometimes. Yeah, and totally. And and sometimes, <clears throat> like in writing a song later, you look at the lyrics or hear the song back and it informs you in a different way. Maybe you were being more accurate than you even thought. Maybe yeah. you write the lyrics and you're like, these aren't very good. And then later you're like, that was exactly what I was feeling at that time. Yeah. Like, you know. Um, Have you ever written something and go, you know, come back to a lady and you're like, I don't even remember writing that. Fuck, that's good. <laughs> I think uh, there more so there's just like songs that um, inform me in a different way now when I listen back to them I'm like oh shit that's some like stoic wisdom that I need <laughs> now that I didn't need as much then yeah you know cool yeah so let's talk about the, the the tour that you guys obviously went on you finished it in the UK and the unfortunate cancellation of the European show so first of all are you going to be going back uh, at any time in the near future to to fulfill those dates obviously right now is literally impossible as we're sitting here covid cases are spiking all across the world but is that something that you guys are planning on doing like this year or is it just you can't do it right now because it's it was essentially you know the the financial situation of it was just too rough so the last six dates of this past european tour got canceled um because germany was closing down like for sure um so all those dates are in Germany, and so we are planning to come back to Germany in June, and that nice. is uh, so far so good. Uh, you people will probably hear more about that soon, um, but yeah, yes, we are we are planning to go back, and we're very excited, and hopefully things are a little smoother, a little safer. Yeah. Um, I was going to suggest if you guys did go back, you should time it up with Oktoberfest and and really celebrate while you're there. Oh, is that when's Oktoberfest? That's like September, though. So you get it. It's not in October. Well, it goes till October. See, most most events are like planned the day that something uh, starts. But what the Germans did was they, I think they probably started it in October originally, and they're like, let's just party for three weeks up to that. Uh, okay, like Christmas, oh, cool. yeah, yeah exactly. the whole month of December. No, yeah. we always plan on doing like fun stuff on tour, and then uh, we have things that we need to do in places that we need to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So one thing I really like about you guys is, oh, first of all, do you guys have any uh, North American or U.S. T- uh, tour dates that you guys have coming up? Man, it's tricky. It's it's I, it, what I was thinking about this today. Um, 
you know, we were able to do this European tour and we, none of us got sick. And the reason we got home is because Germany was locking down. Yeah. We could go on tour in the U S the U S is not going to lock down. The only reason we will stop touring in the U S is because we will get sick. And that's the problem with touring in the United States is that like the touring won't stop because of a lockdown. The touring only stops because individuals and individual bands get sick because that's the culture, uh, you know, of our country is like, if you get sick, you have to go home, but we're not stopping. And it's just like, I just hadn't thought about that before that like, Oh yeah. Like that's the reason we went home is because they were concerned about the the community of, of Europe, the community of Germany. Um, so, you know, we really want to tour in the U S we haven't done it in years. We used to do it constantly. Um, you know, and it was so much fun and we haven't been to some of these places in in years and we really want to do it when the time is right. So we're, we are like always talking about it and trying to plan for it, but it seems really hard right now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's good to know, uh, but plans are in the works and hopefully yep. things will make it easier. Or even if you can do like a, you know, a regional tour just to get out there and see what's going on and mm-hmm. not obviously not get COVID while you're doing it. So that'd be cool. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is obviously your guys' music videos. So I think you guys do some pretty incredible stuff, especially for the last few songs. Trophy Deer was an animated video, uh, basically done by Anthony, and I think John, you did some of the background work, right? So you did your, you did about, your like, research. How did you put Isaac. that together? I'm, I'm very impressed by your research. <laughs> um, we put it together. Uh, Anthony, uh, so he took footage of us. All the parts of the video where we are playing are is based off of actual video that we took of us playing. Um, and Anthony learned how to rotoscope. It's the first time he did it, um, which is basically like tracing each and every frame, um, yeah. and pretty much drawing each and every frame. So I don't, I don't know how many frames he drew total. Um, so, so it's almost like flash motion. I, I don't know exactly how to, how to. Yeah, it was a thirty-three thousand four hundred fifty-two frames. No, I was kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, man, I would honestly not be surprised. You seem to know your shit very well. So <laughs> be like, how about that research? <laughs> yeah, that was all Tony learning how to uh, learn how to do that. It turned out really sick. Um, I drew the backgrounds, which were the easiest part. Yeah, because they don't um, move much, right? Yeah, they don't. <laughs> yeah. So then, obviously, you guys did um, probably one of the most technically challenging videos that I've seen, especially in a long time. Uh, Guilt like a gun. So, what was the thought process behind that? And and you know, obviously you got the, the phones doing all sorts of different stuff and, you know, crisscrossing between phones. And obviously that's not something you do. It reminds me a lot of OK Go and how they do all that crazy shit with all their, you know, video technology and crazy stuff. So what was the kind of idea that that w- behind that video and who came up with that? Um, I initially wanted to just do a video of us like FaceTiming each other playing. And then I was like, oh, and it'd be cool because like I could get on John's phone and then we could switch it around. And it just like. It's fun. I think both of those videos, Trophy Deer and Guilt, are like great examples of like the personality behind like the person who who mostly like spearheaded it. Like Anthony, when he gets an idea and has something he wants to do, it's just like blinders, and he just like does it like nonstop. Like that's he'd never rotoscoped or animated anything before, and he just like bulldozed that project. It's so cool, and like with Guilt, like a gun. Like, we broke into teams, like, John and Nancy were going to work on Trophy Deer, and me and Wes were going to work on Guilt. 
um, we're like, oh, we should, you know, what what phone tricks, magic tricks can we do? And we, like, sat out around on the table with some colored pencils and, like, made some, like, football plans, basically, of, like, <laughs> how we would do it. Um, and then it was just like, well, what can happen around on this table, around this? Th-? And it just, like, spiraled out of control, like, with yeah. just how much shit we could pile on this table and how there could be, like, a like a narrative, like the party that's happening is like our record release party and like all this stuff. It was just like, it just loose change at the time, at the exact same time that you say loose change at the, that's an Anthony thing. He's, he's like so good at stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, in terms of just being someone who's very long winded, I feel like that, (laughs) that video was just like, just every idea, every idea at once. Well, I mean, you get to play beer pong in it, so it can't be that bad, right? True. Yeah, we actually did. There was some real alcohol going on there. Um, yeah, that was a super fun video to shoot. And uh, yeah, we we somehow nailed it. I think that for both of those videos, too, there's probably a, a professional who knows how to do them way faster than the ways that we did them. Yeah. Like we actually filmed with four cameras in a big space, us like on these big colored backdrops running like we were running around from backdrop to backdrop it was comp- all choreographed we did it like a thousand times and then same thing with the phones they're act like it's not like a, a video like that's like set in after effects on the phone it's like yeah. actually we sat with our phones we went one two three everyone hit play oh shit choreograph where you put them on the yeah. table yeah like had to start over a million times because we're like oh my phone's slow or whatever and then put them on the table it was like we really did that and it, there's definitely a easier way to do it that someone who does this for a living knows how to do but we don't we're dumb so we yeah. just did it the hard the hard yeah, they probably way. do it on like simulated screens or something but you guys are like doing it by playing the video off your screen yeah. <laughs> well, we're not dumb. We just uh, we're a small band that doesn't have fifteen thousand dollars to sure. pay, yeah. like a professional from LA to come uh, help us make our music videos. So yeah, exactly. Until yeah, we're we smart. Do, we're, we're just poor ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> smart. We're smart, but we're poor. Help us. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes cool stuff comes from uh, uh, small budgets. Yeah, so. of course. I mean, uh, the more things that you do yourself, the more tools you have in your bag to do crazy shit next time too. Yeah. Yeah. So, it is fun how much stuff you can kind of learn, kind of yeah. force yourself to learn if you really want to do it. Do you feel like you're building yourself up to where you can't match that every time out now? On the next on the next single, you're just going to go back to straight straight to camera. Uh, oh, like h- how to top the videos? Yeah. Uh, we'll do something different and new. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I thought the freer video was really – a good concept too because it's just the yeah. one shot that was Anthony um, I'm assuming that's green screen right because it's like a video no way no, no no way we don't know we don't know how to do that it's on my rooftop um, <laughs> okay. green screen yeah hey, we had this James Cameron because <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're standing there and then a lot of things are happening behind you but I'm like is that actually happening behind him or is that video footage from something else no it's real it's That's real. We we did it at double speed, so I had to learn how to sing the song really fast. Gotcha. Um, so it was really easy to film because it just took like thirty seconds or one minute or whatever because yeah. it was like twice speed. And we just had one light and like an hour of of sunset to do it at. Gotcha. Out. Okay, that is interesting. Yeah, because I watched that one too, and I'm like, "That's cool," but it just looks like a video projected behind you or something, from what I could tell, because it looked like you were kind of cut out there, and I'm like, "This looks." Like green screen but i can't tell like it's just that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll 
I'll take that as a compliment, I think. So good it looked like CGI. <laughs> it looks, can't be real. So good it looks kind of shitty. That's awesome. So that's pretty much all I got for you guys. We'll add some links to the show notes, uh, obviously to your music and anything else that you guys want to promote or whatever. But do you guys have anything else that you want to talk about or plug or say to the you know, listeners before we go today? I can't think of anything. Uh, <laughs> it's a quiet time for Kalimasi. We just we just got back from Europe. We're chilling. We're, we're, we're concocting some pretty crazy shit. And you'll hear about it. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, follow us on social media, Kalimasi Band, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and listen to our new record if you haven't. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, it's called Laughs by Kalimasi. Yeah. Well, I've got a little sneak preview for you guys. We're actually announcing our Powered by Rock 2020 music video, or sorry, music awards tomorrow so this is being recorded on the 4th of january we're tomorrow on the 5th you guys are up for two of our awards what well which ones what but you'll see your guys's names on there tomorrow morning most handsome drummer oh my god oh my god he wins year. again every year <laughs> every year that's really cool thanks wow yeah, so if you guys win obviously we'll uh, we'll have you back on we'll have you holding the trophy up instead oh my god <laughs> wait that's sick who are we up against um, well, yeah, I can look so, it up maybe. Or oh, you're gonna announce it tomorrow. Sorry, we'll sorry. see. You only have about you know twelve hours to wait or less, so well, a little bit more, I guess. But you'll you'll know soon enough, and uh, I will be interested to see how you guys uh, feel. But we will be open for voting as well. So we kind of have a, a mixed uh, so fan vote will make some sort of amount of the um, the the decision. But it won't be the only thing because we also want to put the artistic and some of the other stuff that we feel is actually truly the better stuff out there ahead of just what's popular. So um, it will be kind of a mixed bag of editorial versus um, opinion of the of the crowd. So um, I, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen with this and, and see how it goes. But you guys are up for I think it's two, maybe three. Oh. I think it's two, though. So maybe maybe three, actually. Who are the judges and what's their Venmo? <laughs> Simon Cowell, <laughs> Tyler yeah. Perry, Katie Perry. <laughs> yeah, we've got all the record executives doing uh, our, our panel. So uh, just tell them, hey, you know what? Uh, we'll pay you $1,000, and obviously that'll be it. Now, yeah. <laughs> much smaller company than Rolling Stone for sure. Awesome, guys. So I want to thank you guys today for uh, obviously Sam and John from Kalamasi for the awesome conversation. And if you haven't checked out their music, you definitely should. Go to the show notes below this episode for the links. If you like what heard, you heard on the show, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on social media as well. You can see the full video, uh, the, in, the video interview on our YouTube channel. And if you want to get some, some cool written content or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to PoweredByRock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog full of album reviews, interviews, and lists to keep you entertained. And find our gear as well so you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on. <laughs>